around as they turn for home. It's Uncle Peter. Here comes Market Share. 122 and 3 in the stretch of the Hamiltonian. And Market Share powers to the top with Tim Tietrich. Market Share. Uncle Peter can't trot with him. Guccio up on the far outside. My MVP is closing hard. It's Market Share who needs the line. Guccio. My MVP closing. Gonna be tight. Market Share holds on. Market Share. Tim Tietrich with a touch. All right, welcome to another episode of Honest Racing, our review, uh, episode 37, market share, winning the Hamiltonian, and uh, we play that replay because we have uh, Linda Toscana on the show later on today. Um, Thomas, um, there have been a lot of discussion here. First of all, if my voice is not perfect, it's a little maybe because me and you go to MetLife and watch soccer, uh, football yesterday and yeah. little well, sore throat. It was a great, go- oh, great game. Brady, 15 seconds, yeah. the GOAT. Because, yeah, he's the greatest of all time for sure. Um, there have been some discussions though in, uh, about yeah, this. I'm a little uh, surprised. We are, we are in 2022 now, not 2021. That's right. Uh, and people is like calculating when Tim Tietrich won 10 races on Chester that he pass a texter done on total earnings yeah and then we had like dan patch award for a week ago yeah. we had a couple of horses there who got the prizes uh, joe holloway got the good guy prize perfect sting got his prize and then you have a couple of days later marcus then explosion in in the business yeah that he come up positive and <clears throat> at the meadows and, and it was in june end of june uh, end of June, and we are now in, uh, well, now we're in January, but we found it out end of uh, December um, here. Yeah, and people don't like rumors, but no. the rumors is something is down in Kentucky too, so yeah, that's uh, rumors. That's, that, those are all rumors. But oh. uh, uh, June, end of June, Marcus, uh, Rocky Road Hanover was fifth, place fifth. <clears throat> He's going to move up to fourth, and then uh, Dexter Dunn is going to pass uh, Tim Tatrick again on the... Yeah, but if, that's what in, if that was in June, <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen going forward then. Nah, no, if, if there's coming up more, yeah, exactly. like the rumors... Yeah, 45 of them. It's... Um, it's, going to, it's going to be years and years but, before but, we find out who's the leading driver in the But, but there, there have to be pe- people in the sport that are like with... Uh, either with the state, USTA, and everything. They, they go out with the damn patch award. They go out syndicated. Perfect thing. Uh, he got full books uh, directly, uh, everything like that. Jeff Garral, see through a little with the heart problem and everything. I don't know what Jeff Garral is going to do with with this now. No, I don't know either. And it's always going to be interesting to see what he has to say, right? And But why did it come out a couple of days after the damn patch? It's like... I have respect for Joe Holloway, but it's not the perfect thing to get a positive for uh, on the perfect thing, and you get a good guy uh, award. Yeah, no, it's not, and and it's not good for our industry that they are treating it like this. I, I I'm more mad about uh, that. And what about the people? If who it would have, if it happened at the end of June, and we could have sorted it out in July, we'll be okay. We would have been all right. And it, I'm I'm not taking away anything from the horse. I mean, the horse probably would have won the title anyway, and would have got the award. And very well, maybe Joe Holloway would still get the good guy award. I do not know, and I do not want to speculate in that. But what irritates me is it's end of June, and we don't. I don't know if they announced it or they knew it or what was going on um, until now. Then, then you have that pe- is a problem. <clears throat> when he got the 
gonna stand stud at the Dewaland in New Jersey. People was buying the share and he was completely full directly. And what about those guys? Because a couple of days later, they got to know that he got a positive. And I, I heard that some of the guys there already told the guys that they didn't want to have the share. Yeah, so now now we don't know, right? So, uh, But anyway, something needs to be done with this. Yeah, we are at 2022. Yeah. Uh, this is too old-fashioned and... Uh, it is, in my opinion, I'm used to like the rules home. Like, okay, we have different rules in different country, and in this country, we have rules, different rules in different states. Yes. But <clears throat> if we're gonna take the sport a little more serious for the people outside, if like that, there need to be like um, harder rules on getting a positive. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because uh, right now it's just a joke. Yeah, I mean, we can't. Uh, to help ourselves going forward, we cannot. Um... But it, but it's like, then you have like many of the overnight trainers around. That, that like if you try like when I listen to them, like sometimes I ask them about how they train the horses and stuff like that. The only thing they never talk about how they train a horse. No, they talk about blood. Yeah, I I know, and and it's. Um, I don't know what to say about it. I'm just, I'm not used to it. No, for me, it's all about uh, horsemanship. That's it. Anyway, um, why don't we try to get Linda on the phone, um, ask her a couple of questions, and uh, see what we, um, how she is doing. And we got Linda Toscano on the phone. Hi, Linda. Hi, Linda. Hi. How is everything? Everything is great. Happy New Year. Yeah, same Thanks. to you. Um, getting, we're seeing a little snow coming down. Yeah, not much, though. Just a dusting, just to remind us it's winter. How does that affect you? Oh, it was nice when it's warmer. It's always nicer when you have to sit out on the racetrack for, for five, six hours a day, not to be frozen all the time and and uh, mud and everything. It makes my job much harder. Yeah, this this was the coldest day Yeah, the last year for me today with the little like raw air and little wind. Yeah, at least no wind so far. Not not too bad anyhow. How do you think this cold weather affect, affects the horses? Well, I think change affects the horses, but I think they like the cold weather. They were all fresh this morning. Yeah, good. It's a Monday freshness also with with a little bit of the cold, so that could be good. Yeah. Yeah, so we started off the show um, talking about the positive, as you are aware of, with um, Perfect Sting. Um, what I'm not saying what's going to happen, what's going to happen, what could have happened, what could have been, right? But my question to you is why in June, end of June the horse gets tested positive and it's it's not announced until end of December. Three days after the dam patch. <clears throat> yeah, I can't answer those questions because I, I obviously don't know the situation. Um, there may have been a split sample involved and it may have taken more time than, than they wanted um, to get it back. I, all guesswork on my part, I have absolutely no firsthand knowledge as far as this is concerned. Um, I know firsthand, however, last year I had an incident in Kentucky and it um, because of COVID, it took forever to get my split sample back. So, um, you know, it, it could be something like that. I, I don't, I, other than that, I don't know. Very good point. <laughs> What about um, uh, the changes from going from Showplace to uh, to Magical? How was that? Well, Showplace, when you're at a place for 28 years, it's home. So anytime, and I had a very, very good situation at Showplace Farms. I had a beautiful barn. Um, I had a wheel 
that was covered right outside my door. I had two huge paddocks out front that were grass that we took very, very good care of, as well as a lot of um, a couple of turnout paddocks that you could just let them run around in the morning. And, you know, there was, you know, it was home for me. And it was um, a perfect size racetrack for me. It was a little bit of a tighter five eighths mile track. But at that point, I was racing so much on the New York Sire Stakes circuit that I felt that if I could get my horses balanced and pacing or trotting well on that track, um, I pretty much didn't have to make too many changes to go anywhere in the country. So um, you get used to anything. Magical is a is a beautiful facility. And we have two great racetracks and a sand track. Um, It's not busy, which I love. You know, there are some of these these farms that are so so training centers that are so so full that it's really hard to keep a horse quiet so i I love the fact that i can pretty much train um without a lot of horses bothering me and i can do what i want to do there so it it it, and he built a brand new barn for me so i certainly can't complain about what i have it's just um i miss what i what i don't have anymore when um is going to build a straight track on uh, magical is that something you will try out? Well, yeah, he says he's going to build this. I call it the not-so-straight track because um, he doesn't have a lot of room to get it done. But he's going to attempt to put something in like that. And, yeah, we'll we'll see how it works. I'd love to see, you know, maybe a, a sand track, something that we can use um, that way. Or or I'd like to see a straight strip. Um, I You know, the more trotters you train, I think the more uh, of a necessity there is for it. Yeah. So the change Thomas spoke a little bit about. So we we, we see you trained um, Chapter Seven, for example, at the Show Place, correct? Mm-hmm. You move over to um, Magical Acres and you get Walner, correct? Mm-hmm. Kind of yes and kind of no. Actually, what I did was I broke Walner in uh, North Carolina. That was the right. year. That was the transition year. So we went down to North Carolina, and he was trained back both years as a two and a three-year-old in, in Pinehurst and shipped in as a three-year-old to, uh, and, and also two-year-old to Magical. So, but he was pretty well trained down by the time we went there. So did um, they, were they training down similar in, in the aspect of where you were at that, that you could do kind of the same thing? Very different horses. Right. Um, very, very different horses. Um, chapter seven was late coming. He was late to find himself. He was always full of, um, you know, uh, vim and vigor, and and it was hard to. He he went a lot of trips, a lot of slow, slow miles before he concentrated on his work, and he never even qualified until late July, uh, beginning of August, and he did. He raced um, only in the uh, Sire Stakes at Freehold, so it was a perfect place to train Chapter Seven down because he was very balanced for the half mile track at the time, and he only he wasn't staked to a lot late and uh he only raced in the matron was the only uh, other race that he raced in as a two walner on the other <laughs> hand um he was just an incredibly talented athlete um you know i never believe people when they tell me that they knew they were special right from the beginning because we just don't you know we like you them. hope we to know. right like you're dreaming about it yeah, you know, you'll be going with one and you'll say, man, this horse has all the utensils. This one could be the one. But you never know until the end. But truthfully, if there was one that you would say it right from the get-go, it would be Walner because he just was men against boys. You know, I trained him um, 
basically with the Trotton Colts and Pinehurst, and he was just so much the best. It was scary, and I, I didn't want him cutting every mile. So what I did was I put him against the Pacing Colts, and I sit sit him back against them, and he'd blow them away. And then, you know, just to keep on his slow day, just to keep him, you know, sitting behind, because he had a tendency to be a hair aggressive. He, he never pulled but he just wanted to take on the world all the time. And so um, I broke him to the open bridle and I, uh, and I trained him with the three-year-olds and uh, on always on his slow day, he trained with the three-year-olds and to be honest, he could beat them. So he was a very special horse. He was raw talent. That's for sure. Then. Yeah, he really was. And I don't know that I could have done at show place. I guess I could have, but um, he was such a big horse that I think that he benefited by that big track in, in Pinehurst, both at two and three. When when it, when he did come back as a three, did you have the the feeling that he was going to be the horse for you that year? We know what happened with him, but what feeling did you have with Walmer coming back as a three? I, I just felt don't don't screw him up. Is <laughs> how I felt because I knew how good he was, and by that point I knew how good he was, and and I, you know, I, you know, he had such a minor injury that it, it's a shame that we never really got a chance to see what he could do. But um, on the other hand, uh, he was so necessary to the sport that um, all these Cantab and Muscle Hill mares needed somebody to be bred to. So um, the group that was purchasing him really did not want to take a chance and race him again. Uh, they really wanted him in the breeding shed. And since he was so potent and so fertile, that's the direction that we went. But his injury was minor. And that I absolutely know. Well, he finished up the year as a three-year-old, still the fastest three-year-old Trotton Colt, and he only had three starts. Exactly. But I think he could have easily trotted 48. No question in my mind. Oh, he could wow. have done it. That's a big words. I, I, there's not even a doubt in my mind. That's how easy. He won a 51 and change in the dancer, and Timmy just kept asking me to let him let him turn them loose. Let him pull the plugs. He never had the earplugs pulled. And then you have the qualifier. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He was just a very, very special horse. Yeah, horse of a what, What's what's interesting here? Two of um, two of maybe our three best um, um, stallions that we have now, um, standing stud, um, are Chapter Seven and Walner, and you train both two completely different horses. They have both kind of changed the game a little bit, so to speak, because they're a little outcross, right? So, um, mm -hmm. did you like when you send them away? Uh, obviously, you can't predict what's going to happen, but um, it, is this something that you're thinking about at the sale when you're going to the sale picking out picking out yearlings for your owners? Chapter 7, as a sire, shocked me. I knew he, if he ever passed on his desire um, and his gait that he had a shot at being a, a, a really a sire, anyhow. Not a really good sire, who knew? But, um, but a sire. Um, when I looked for a son of chapter seven in his first crop, I was looking for the attributes that chapter seven himself did not have, which was first and foremost leg. Every, you know, chapter seven has a big gate. So people think he's a big horse until you get up close to him. And when you realize that he's not a big horse at all, and uh, he just covered a lot of ground. So I wanted, um, and he packed a, a hind shin a little bit, and, you know, sometimes people thought he ran in and I had a Murphy blind on the inside. And mostly it was just to keep him tipped out a little bit because when he was tipped out, he never touched himself. And when he never touched himself, he could flat out fly. And um, when so when I was looking for Walner, 
um, or when I was looking for a chapter seven, I was looking for something with leg. And there were a couple that I liked. Uh, Walner, I just kept going back to um, because he was an outcross. And I, I have a thing for outcrosses. So um, I, I, I just, he was tall. He was all leg. He had his shoulder. He had his neck. Um, he had his rear end and his and uh, long can of bones. And I thought to myself, you know what? This is the one. He's the one I wanted. And it just worked out. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, it, you know, it, and it's going to be a little bit, feel a little special for you too, right? Like you trained Chapter 7. You trained Walner, who now everyone is, he's the talk of the town, so to speak. And mm. it's going to feel special for you, right? Uh, it's unbelievable. You know, I started out my my career training peace and fillies because that's all I could afford to to. Uh, so, how many broodmares have you bought now? <laughs> uh, no, I, not broodmares. <laughs> I actually do have a part of a couple of them, but only I do it in protest at all times. Right. <laughs> what What is your favorite win with Walner? Um, <laughs> you know, I I would have to be the Breeders Crown at two because I wanted it so badly. And so I would have to think, but I guess the way he won in, in the red mile too, that was pretty, that was pretty impressive at two. You know, I knew he was going to go out there and, and do his thing. And Timmy kept saying to me, can I go? And I kept saying to him, don't, don't worry about the clock. Just don't worry about the clock. Just worry about the race, you know? And in 2020 hindsight, I wish I'd let him pull the lugs every once in a while. <laughs> I yeah, not right. <laughs> but yeah. I thought I was going to have more time. That's right. <laughs> It's kind of funny because I saw you this morning, right? I went to visit your barn this morning and you are very hands-on and it's kind of like you have done this for a very long time and you're still out there jogging horses every day. You're on the jog car day. I mean, I have trouble catching you sometimes, which I love, by the way, but it's um, and you're going in and out. But how do you see on our young generation compared to how it was when you first started with the young with the young people saying, is there more young people having chances now or is it less? <sighs> there's nobody and we don't have any young people hardly anymore you know at the time that i started you know it there was a ton of people that would come through the barn and would they wouldn't care if they got paid they just wanted a chance to work with horses and and to learn and um I, it, first of all it's hard to find somebody that cares enough about it to to want to do it the right way and and come up and learn through it um and and kind of do sort of an apprenticeship and everything like that and then when you finally do the money that these things cost it's it's almost impossible without some financial backing to get started in this business right. i mean it it's it's i don't even know how um a young person can get started without a, a real leg up you know somebody that wants to to uh sponsor them a little bit yeah so you, you see uh, um, like marcus melander lucas wallen even nancy tactor is on the young, younger generation right like they have had economic backing um, um from the get-go and uh, and you're right right like they were lucky that way it's hard to get in like I, you're saying i think more like from if i say something i think more maybe marcus melander and nancy has been having little backup but lucas I think he's been standing more on his own feet. Yeah. See, it's going on his own now, right? 
And you know, to be able to find somebody, just think if you're, if you want to start with young horses, you know, and I didn't, I started with raceway horses because that's what I knew and that's who I worked for. And then I segued into the young horses because that's what I loved. And, um, but now if I wanted to just get started and go with a year, like how on earth does a person go out there and try to compete and buy more than one or two horses? And, and they're certainly not going to be the one or two that you go there for. They're going to be the one or two. You're going to have to really, really hunt and pack. You're going to have to decide that you're going to give up pedigree or you're going to get a, give up confirmation. And at that point, that's when you have to get lucky. You know, and it's really it, it's really difficult for a young person without backing to get started right now. Yeah, we also have um, <clears throat> market share um, when he win the Hambo 2012, and I, I was like exciting when when the news come out that he was going to go to the Elite Lop in I think it was 2014. Uh, what happened there? You know, I really believe that that was just a decision that was based on financial and and just common sense. He was not quite as good coming back as he had had been in the past, in previous years um he wore chapter seven wore the hobbles because he was an idiot when he was two and if i had the experience that i have now they would have been taken off at three and four and he would have never raced with them at three and four he didn't need them you know they were just decorations on him and i trained him in 55 before i ever qualified him without the hobbles on so you know chapter seven different ball game market share wore them because he if anyone's ever watched him he was the the little engine that could he was truly a cinderella story there was no reason in this God's green earth that that horse was as good as he was other than his sheer determination and desire to be as good as he was. You know, he went like a, a mix master in front, you know, a sewing machine. He went straight up and down and he got, went nowhere and he just wanted to get there first, you know, and, uh, he needed the hobbles and he wasn't quite as sound when we brought him back that year. And we trained him in 54 in a piece at the Meadowlands when we had to make the decision and the ultimate, tipo over that we didn't go was because the year before if i remember correctly they flew them right into sweden and they were able to go right to the racetrack and we were going to have to fly into amsterdam we were going to have to do an enormous amount of traveling to get to where we had to get to and we were going to and when you look at the horse it would have been fun it would have been great absolute great opportunity for all of us to go in an unbelievable experience but when i look at the horses that had tried it and how poor they came back afterwards and and we were going to have to be dependent upon what he did when he came home you know to to make his year i didn't think that he could campaign in europe and do do much over there so ultimately when all that traveling was involved that's what made us decide at the last minute not to do it not to go yeah is that something that you regret um, not with him, you know, because I still believe that I would have cost myself that whole year, you know, had I gone there because I don't think he would have been able to, to bounce back quite as, as good as he did. He had a good year as it turned out. Yeah. Some of the Europeans still want to know if you, you think that there is a horse in your barn now that you would actually be able to dream about bringing over there or plan to go over there with. Um, right now, I don't think I have it. Lady Chaos could probably compete over there if she came back well this year. I'm not sure that that it would be in the cards for her. Uh, but 
Um, I don't have a three-year-old Trot and Colt that I'm excited about enough to say Kenneth Jay is is a, a a pretty nice horse, but he needs to race here at three first and figure out what he's going to do. I think uh, I think we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. What about um, Heston Blue Ship? What can you tell people about him? Why was he, he was special? Truthfully, one of the nicest horses I ever trained, without doubt, without a doubt. He's he's got a funny story that goes along with him, and in, in that Bob Ludgood used to break some of Ken Jacobs' horses in North Carolina, and I would, I would fly down in February and fly down in March and go a couple trips with them and and bring them up. And he was really excited about another horse in the barn, and uh, he kept telling me that this other horse, his name was Raymond Jay, um, was going to be the horse. And when they came up. Uh, Hessens really was supposed to just stop by. Um, I was going to evaluate him. If he wasn't going to be any good at all, he was going to go up to a stable that he had up in Vernon. And after fiddling with him for about two weeks, I called Ken and I said to him, you named the wrong one Raymond because Raymond was his grandson. And uh, he said, no, you'll see. The other one's good. And I said, I, he can't hold a candle to this horse. This horse is, is a pretty nice horse. And he qualified well. Timmy loved him immediately. We campaigned him on the New York Sire Stakes Circuit where he was an absolute pleasure. And um, he was a gentle giant. He was as nice a horse on the racetrack. He never took a hold of the bit. He just did anything you asked him to do all the time. And when he came back at three, he came back real, real real well at three and you know he, there were a couple races that i thought he should have fared better in maybe drive one bad drive and you know bad circumstances i thought he should have been a little bit better than fourth in the meadowlands pace and it all came together we decided when we brought him down to kentucky he just used to bleed a little bit not a lot but you know there was allergies component and there was always a little bit of orange or tinge to it and We decided to put him on Lasix and give him the, the Grand Circuit meet at the at the Red Mile to rest. And uh, he came back and he wound up winning the Breeders' Crown, which was definitely my most fun race with him. And uh, then right after that, he set a world record in uh, in the Matron in December in 48 flat. And uh, he, was a, he was a lovely horse to train. Yeah, good. What about... Um Uh, you have uh, over since this statistic started. It's about over sixty million dollars in earnings and twenty three hundred dollar win or twenty three um hundred over three hundred twenty three hundred wins. I don't know how much that is. What happened before? I think they started uh, statistic at ninety two some something like that. Um, how much longer can we see Linda Toscano's colors on the racetracks? I love what I do. The help situation is a real problem. Um, If there were a lot of help floating around, um, I, I'd like to do it a little bit longer. I think what you'll see is me really decreasing the size of my stable and uh, maybe owning a part of them and, and kind of trying to get down to a, a, a nice, easy number. I'd like to keep my regular people that have been with me for years and years working. Um, and we'll play it by year. I said to Brad, About 10 years ago, we'll ride this wave as long as it's good. And I never dreamed in a million years that we'd still be going. That's the way we are right now. But, um, you know, as luck would have it, we've been very fortunate. How many horses does Linda Toscano train today? Too many right now. Um, I think that when we're at full strength, it's going to be a little over 50. And uh, I was hoping for around 35, 40. So, so uh, and honestly, I turned so many away this year because of the help situation. I don't know where you find people that want to work and do this job right now. I mean, um, 
there's there are enormous opportunities for people in this business to get started and to learn, but um, there aren't enough people that know about us. I That's think. good you got into that because we have asked um, both Brett Pelling and and uh, last week uh, Mark Weaver. Um, we asked them what what should we do to get younger people involved, both in in all aspects, grooming horses, wanting to train horses, and maybe even own horses. What do they say? Because I'm lost as far as how you find people interested. I've reached out to the colleges. Um, I've talked to people. I even, you know, I even suggested to Eric Cherry on ungate.com that maybe we could do something kind of like a match.com where, um, <laughs> yeah, well, it's true. I thought, you know, maybe every person isn't for every stable, but, but if we, if we reach out and show what we have to offer and maybe somebody might want to learn a little bit, maybe they're tired of being cold in the wintertime and they'd like to come to Jersey or to Florida in some cases, you know, there has to be a way. And I think if, if we could just get some young people, I thought reach out to the colleges and maybe offer a little grant, you know, with, um, with social media, which would also give a push in social media as advertising for uh, for our sport. You know, anything we could do to get people interested would be would be a good thing. But I don't know what the answer is. It's a physical tough job, right? It is. Two thousand two thousand and nineteen, Linda, special year, Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, and um, it's funny. I I never dreamt in a million years that I'd get get in to the Hall of Fame or even was aspiring to get into the Hall of Fame. And uh, you always doubt yourself. You don't think that, that you deserve it. And I certainly don't think I deserve it. And then just um, as karma would have it, uh, a horse that that um, had been just a nice horse up and that pops up and wins the Meadowlands Pace that weekend. So, you know, it was a, it was yeah. a good all the way around. I remember that race, Linda. <laughs> he was not supposed to win, and he and he did. So it was a fun. It was it's a fun a, night. Yeah, but those, those victories are 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 sometimes more relaxed, right? You can enjoy those more than like like you said with Walner that people expect you to win. You you kind of like can more enjoy those wins when they're a little unexpected. Without a doubt, I said to Nifty Norman this year because he had the the uh, year of his life this year and I said to him when was the last time you won a race that your first reaction was happiness and not just thank goodness because that we put so much pressure on ourselves at this level that um it's it we just we don't enjoy it the way we should enjoy it and that was completely and totally spontaneous and unexpected and I had a ball that night that was fun yeah, the, those those victories, um, those victories are always great. Is um, <clears throat> you know my favorite horse? Is he yes, come, I do. Is, <laughs> is, is <laughs> Bailey promised me your dog Bailey, who is famous. Yeah. She, she promised me something in Kentucky. Is he coming back good? He hasn't even been brought in yet. He oh was. They, we went very late with him, and I'm going to give him a lot, a little extra time, so he's not going to come in yeah. until the 15th. First time you're going to train, you call me. Yeah, I will. Yeah, you can come over and go with him. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, what horses Linda Toscana most excited about bringing back him uh, for twenty twenty two? Well, yeah, I, I I love that horse. We're talking about Kenneth J. And um, no, Ken's Walner, that. yeah, Ken's Walner, rather. Yeah. Sorry, um, and I, I love that horse. And um, I really believed when I qualified him last year that he was going to be one of the best 
two-year-olds out there. So he, he, um, I think I may have gone too much with him too soon. And I think I might have kinked him a little bit. And I'm hoping that we don't do the same thing with him again this year. And he comes back as good. I think he somewhat rallied at the end of the year. His last couple starts were a little bit better than some of them in the middle. Um, I, he still hasn't shown us what I know he's capable of. So I, I look forward to racing. But we have to, we can't be four people be wrong. Me, Marcus was high, super high on Ken's Warner and Scott Saron. He texted me that it was the best uh, baby trotter he ever qualified. Yeah, I know. I don't think we can be wrong. I hope so. The mo- <laughs> yeah. Your mouth is God's ears. <laughs> I've, been, I've been wrong before. What, just what, like, uh, just before we quit, what can you say about Scott Saron? Because you've been one of the guys who backing him up. Um, Scott came at, around at a perfect time. You know, Timmy was starting to get overcommitted, and he had so many people that he and he had such a powerful stable with the uh, with the Kings that I needed somebody that could could drive for me. I do better when I have a steady driver. Um, I love I love somebody that can kind of get to know a horse and and then take them along. And and I like somebody that's a little bit on the patient side with one and and trust me and will listen to me. Um, there are times I'm going to ask you to wake him up and, and send him down the road. There are times I'm going to ask you to take him back. And Scott fit the bill. And I, I just got lucky in that he wasn't overcommitted at the time. And he started driving. And we hit off. Uh, we hit it off. He did well on the New York Sire Stakes circuit. And that segued into him driving Rocknificent and some of the others. And uh, we've had a really good run. He's a professional. He's quiet and soft-spoken. He's um, he's been an absolute pleasure to work with. Excellent, very good. All right, Linda, that was uh, so nice of you to take some time and and talk to us here. And I'm sure um, everyone that's listening and appreciate um, um, your time. Anytime. All right. Thank you, Linda. And we'll see you around again. I appreciate it again. Thanks. Thank Thanks, you so guys. much. Thank you. There Thank you. Bye. All right. That was um, Linda Toscano. Um, interesting. Yeah, it is, but like when she's sixty-six years old, I see her today. This this morning, it's freezing cold, right? And it, yeah, always and with a smile on her face. I've been going with six horses today, and I'm still freezing. Yeah, and it was cold today because the air was a little raw. And I'm sure she went with more, more than you. You think so? Yeah, she's a little tougher than you, but still, no. But what I'm saying is, like, and she does it with the smile on her yeah, face. Yeah, she's right? like sixty-six. Yeah, I'm young still. Yeah, that's true. I'm so impressed and. What can I say about Linda? It's, it's like, so cool, like when she had those, she had both Chapter Seven and then Walner, who was by Chapter Seven, and you know they're both um, extremely good. Yeah, and the, the, so many like I texted Linda for a couple of months ago. There was like a harness racing magazine in Norway who had like a girl who was her idol. Mm. She said Linda Toscano. Oh, nice! That's so cool. And I sent it to Linda, and she said uh, you could send it on Russia. I don't understand Norwegian, <laughs> right. but she could see that Idol was Linda Toscano. And when you meet Linda on the track, um, especially when I meet her down in Kentucky for a couple of months, and it's like it's always smile, good morning, and just a yeah. nice, kind person. Yeah, very nice. I she's a pleasure to be around. She's a pleasure. I, I'm I'm blessed to get to know. For her. me, uh, if if there is one person I've been here six years that I haven't worked with. If I regret something, you have to be Linda Toscano. Yeah, interesting. All right, then, Thomas, that was it for this time. Um, we're closing down for um, episode 37. Um, thank you guys for listening in. Thanks.